It's time for a moment of clarity with your hosts, Galen Dietering, Phil Stargell, and Ed Bondarenka. Faith, faith, faith politics, politics, history, history, and current events. Current events. And now, your hosts, Galen, Phil, and Ed. Good afternoon. How are you all doing out there? We are so blessed to be here today. I got to tell you, when it was nice to make it through that incredible rain that we had, all the grass is growing. It's time to cut the grass again. How did you guys fare with that storm? I got a, a, a backyard full of dandelions. <laughs> that makes you happy, though, doesn't it? Just for a minute. <laughs> See those pretty yellow, sunshiny flowers out there? Yeah, I mean, not I only. Gotta, I got to go out there and dig them up or put some spray on them or something. Oh, you know what? I just let my chickens eat them, I tell you. But I do love the dandelions. You know what you can do is go uh, go pick the... Uh, Go, go pick the dandelion heads, uh, cover them up in some sugar and some yeast, and make you some dandelion wine. <laughs> yeah. I heard about that in my day, but uh, I never had a chance to drink any of it. <laughs> yeah, well, basically, enough sugar makes anything taste good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, uh we're hoping that today uh, we will have a guest, uh, Professor William Wagner. We're hoping from uh, the Great Lakes Justice Center and Salt Light Global um, that we will have him joining us here soon. That would make me very happy if he did to talk about the triumph that we had for the churches um, with kind of the repeal of this of this law on gathering. Now, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to join us because he's not with us yet. But I got to tell you, it's really nice that the uh, that the video is working so I can see your face, Phil. I'm so happy to, that you're able to join me visually now. I know the yeah. reader or the listeners can't see you, but uh, I sure can. And I'm getting a really, a really big smile on my face for that. Well, how do you like the backdrop? I love your backdrop. Just so you know, folks, uh, Phil has Hello. a wham talk radio flag on there and uh, behind him. And so it's really nice because I can see him. And it looks like our guest is joining us. So to introduce our topic, uh, Professor Wagner from Great Lakes Justice Center and Salt Light Global on Facebook. Um, Professor Wagner, we want to talk to you about the Triumph for the Churches. Thanks for joining us. Um, Hi. We also want to uh, find out about your Facebook uh, thing that you were doing. How did that go? Well, that, that's that been going well. We've been doing, uh, you know, once a week or so, we're doing an online thing. And it's, you know, we're hitting anywhere between 30, 60, and, you know, over 100,000 people sometimes. So... You know, God bless, you know, the the social distancing prohibition, I guess, because the word is getting out. I just heard that a church, you know, has increased, you know, 100,000 or something, you know, new members, some huge church out in California because people are now, you know, sharing the good news online. And so I'm just so excited that, you know, in the midst of all this, you know, real yuck and crap that we're having to deal with and so many different levels god still is working amongst it and doing great things 
That's what I keep saying. I tell you, God is not going to be defeated by social distancing. He has got it. Hey, Ed has a question for you. You know, along those lines, I was talking to my pastor, and I, he's concerned about sharing different uh, prayer requests and the like on Facebook because it's open. And I said, well, let's go to a closed group. And he said, well, no, because we know that we're getting people outside of our church who are tuning into the Facebook broadcast. So there is that. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, I, yeah, I got to say this, though, because with the prayer request, people will put out as much as they want, and they can certainly say unspoken. Pray for me. I have an unspoken prayer request. They don't have to put all their business out there in the world if they don't want to. Um, there, there's ways around it. Praise reports myself. I, I often give an unspoken <laughs> praise report. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Well, God is still working with us. So, uh, hey, uh, um, talk to us about your lawsuit, Professor Wagner. And is your lawsuit uh, for the churches moot now because of Order, uh, what is that, Executive Order 77? Or is it still going? What do you well, think? It, it's still going, but here's the good news. You know, the... The, the question is, you know, what about our lawsuit? Yes, we, we on behalf of pastors and churches uh, and Christian people that attend churches, we filed lawsuit in the federal court against the governor because all of her executive orders had previously uh, intentionally not protected individuals going to and from church or worshiping at church. There was a kind of a, a fake or a pretend um, exemption for uh, for religious for religion religious folks in there in that it talked about protecting a place of worship from having to pay a penalty um, but it intentionally still made it a crime for even two people to get together to 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 do a live stream um, when we filed our lawsuit they immediately you know changed it and now they've you know changed their language and so from the pastor's perspective you know, we now have protection for individuals. It's expressly in their order that no individual is going to be punished for going to or from a, a church or worshiping at church or the pastor's not going to. Um, but, you know, the rest of the lawsuit, you know, that is relevant as well, because in that lawsuit, we, we have contended that um, the, the actions by the governor are without constitutional and statutory authorization. Uh, the legislature has filed a similar lawsuit, and they have, you know, also ch uh, challenged whether or not the the governor has authority to act. And so, at this point, you know, everybody that is in our my lawsuit, you know, has gotten the things they needed. So it's not moot in a legal sense, but it is. Um, it, from a practical point of view, as long as the governor keeps, you know, her word, they, they've, we've gotten everything we were set out to do. That being said, we will probably continue to support these other uh, lawsuits with regard to uh, good governance and, const and trying to restore constitutional governance to the state of Michigan. Well, that's that's great news. So basically, are you are you keeping this lawsuit kind of in the background, in your pocket, still active, or have you completely dropped the lawsuit now? It, it's still it's still it's still active, and we're waiting to see that the, the the governor is going to keep her word. Uh, and so, you know, we're we're confident, you know, that I think pastors and 
and, and members of congregation are going to be safe. Now, my, my, my concern is that some local law enforcement officer hasn't read her most recent order, and we've had a couple of complications that way, and, and, and nothing major, but it, it just usually resolves a, you know, it takes a conversation to, to take care of it. But that, that's my biggest concern is down the road. Um, there, while all these lawsuits are going on, that you know that that local law enforcement doesn't even know, you know, necessarily what what the what is the law, because the governor very often will state something different publicly in, in a in a speech or in a uh, frequently asked question on a website that's very different than what her uh, actual executive order or law says. So. We need to restore constitutional governance pretty quickly here. We've got, you know, all sorts of things. You've probably heard about America's barber out there. You know, a 77-year-old yes. man from uh, Owasso who has been literally cutting hair for more years than, you know, our governor has been alive. And he is now facing the full force of uh, um, basically a military state uh, against him. You know, seven, you know, the governor sent seven, uh, six or seven state, you know, police officers into his, you know, place. They've, you know, a, a judge, when they, when they sought a temporary restraining order to shut him down, you know, a judge refused to issue it. And, and so he, you know, has won his first round of the, of the legal round. And there's many, many rounds. And, and not just many, many rounds, but on many, many fronts, because the, like I said, the executive branch is using the full force of the state power that they have, and they, you know, they've they've taken this guy's with no notice, no hearing, you know, summarily removed his uh, his license to, you know, cut hair that he has safely done for the last sixty-one years, and so. It's really interesting. He truly has become Americans, America's barber. It's my understanding that the salon order from Texas is coming up to Michigan, you know, to help lead a peaceful uh, protest. And you know, as they petition the government for redress of of grievances sometime next week, and I'm not sure when that is, but just heard some just incredible things how pe people have peacefully come together to stand up for this. Man, and I don't know if you've ever seen him speak on some on on Glenn Beck or some of these national television programs that he's been on. But he he's just you just love him, and he's a great spokesman for truth. And you know, I just loved one of the things he said. He said, "What are they going to do? You know, you know, give me life in prison?" He says, "I'm 77 years old. I got one foot in the grave and the other foot on a banana peel." You know, when somebody that can. <laughs> You know, handled tough media questions with that kind of wit and 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 just true, you know, patriotism. Um, you know, really is a, is a rarity. And so, you know, I think God's put him here for a special time. <laughs> I think that's really important, and I and I love that because, you know, she's made all of us a victim state. You know, it's it's really interesting how our culture is changing. And this is completely off topic, but, you know, we were walking, uh, we went to Kroger this morning to go find something. And because we didn't find what we were looking for at Kroger, we walked out the indoor with the cart. And as soon as the cart passed the threshold into that lobby, the wheels locked up. They have it set up so that the wheels on the cart lock up and they have to actually physically unlock them with a little electronic device pointed at it. And I'm just thinking about, you know, pretty soon they're going to have us all in hijab, you know? <laughs> well, it's, it's, just, 
Yeah, our, our culture we, is just changing so badly. We, we kind of joke, but we, we need to be vigilant and we need to, in a, a peaceful but a very, uh, very, very assertive way, you know, uh, stand up for these rights because, you know, the stuff that's coming after this is mm-hmm. not going to get any better. And when they do get a vaccine, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be breaking news here, but but they will be in many states, if not nationwide, you know, an attempt to, you know, track you. They will, they've got potential plans. And, and again, this is not law anywhere yet, but, you know, you can be expected to have to have some kind of certificate with you or something that they will, you know, be able to monitor you with. And if you haven't got the vaccine, they, they will, you know, be in some places, you know, I can tell you right now, people are talking about forcibly forcing you to, you know, to submit to what would normally be a, a criminal assault and battery. And and so I, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, raise any uh, things out there to concerns until they get here. But but that's that's the next thing coming, you know, right now, you know, if, if we don't stand up for, you know, interference of religious liberty, like like the Great Lakes Justice Center just did for the churches in Michigan, then, right. you know, it will be very easy to continue to trample on, you know, other liberties later. So um, I agree so- with you 100 percent. And what's scary is I work at the university now, I think quite frankly, and, and I, well, I won't know for sure until I have the testing that I've already had this. I think that I've already had it and recovered from it all the way back in February. Um, But the idea, I'm fairly anti-vaccine. I think informed vaccination is the way to go. I think that parents need to have the right to have informed consent for that. Um, I don't know if you guys are working on any of that, but I do know that there's a lot of groups out there that are trying really hard to do this forced vaccination. But with Without us having informed consent for vaccines, we are really vulnerable to the government doing whatever the heck they want with those vaccines, including the sterilization of of undesirable groups, if that's what they want to do. They can do that. That's easy. It's easy once you have everybody going and getting needles stuck in their arm. And they're already in other states trying to take parental rights away from people who don't vaccinate and i think that that's that's criminal i i really do they shouldn't be doing that well i helped write a a book once it was it actually became a number one amazon bestseller uh it was called vaccine choice and um my my chapter my contribution was exactly what you just talked about the importance of the constitutional liberty of a parent to be allowed to continue to raise their children and make you know decisions you know, with regard to, you know, medical decisions and informed consent, you know, a parent and their doctor, you know, making a choice to, to, va- to, to vaccinate is one thing, the, the government right. and, and its doctor, you know, forcing you to, you know, is another, especially when the science out there, you know, is not, uh, is not clear or as clear as mud. And so, um, 
you know, we know that certain vaccines will kill certain number of people and they will maim certain number of people. And the government knows this because in the pharmaceutical companies that, that make the drugs know this because they've all gotten together and, and they've given complete immunity to the drug makers in exchange for the drug makers. And I don't know exactly how this works, but there's some huge fund that, that handles, it's an official government fund that handles these kind of lawsuits. I mean, you know, imagine if a, if a manufacturer of a, of a car or a tractor or something knew that X number of people would die, you know, from some defect in the, you know, in the, in the thing, you know, and, and they yeah, were allowed it's to like, what's it. an acceptable loss. Exactly. And, and we go from a point where God says we all are made in his image and are therefore, you know, have, you know, this inherent sacred, you know, value to a point where no man gets to decide which humans have value and which humans don't. And, and that's a very scary place to go. The world's gone there you know, at different times in history, and it's it's always been ugly. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I I want to say something here real quick, and I think Ed has a question too, but, but you know, I'm thinking about this, um, this vaccine that they put out for preventing the human papillomavirus and how women have become sterile because of it and how some women have died because of doing this because they just put it out there like, like, oh, this is the greatest thing in the world, and it's terrifying to me. I'm like, uh-uh, I am not going to be your guinea pig. I've got a friend who's a nurse, and she's like, no, I'm not taking that new shingles vaccine because I don't want to grow a tail, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's now, in her opinion. Now, again, you know, if, you know, if vaccine saves lives and, and, and people through their, with their doctor, they, they get together and, and they make the choice, hey, I'm going to do this. You know, I, I, I went into some very dangerous places in the world and I, and I made a choice to, you know, to, to be vaccinated with certain things that, you know, that I'm sure maybe saved my life when I was in the, the depths of a jungle someplace. And, and, but that being said, I make a different choice when I know that there are, you know, either, you know, some, something from you know, a board of tissue that was part of it, that's part of the vaccine. You know, I don't want to have anything to do with that from a moral standpoint. Um, the neurotoxins like mercury that are in many of these, um, that are in many of these vaccines can, you know, can kill people that are close to me that have, for example, a disease, have, have multiple sclerosis. You know, you don't want to be taking something that has, you know, a neurotoxin. And again, you know, one size does not fit all. And that's the problem with this utilitarian approach that the leftist governance is, is doing is that's why that, that's why in Michigan, you know, you've got nothing happening in a particular county up in the Upper Peninsula, but they're fa faced with the same type of, you know, incredible restrictions as, as inner city Detroit is. And so, you know, utilitarian doesn't work because it doesn't um recognize that God made all of us in his image and, and that, you know, as individuals, we all, each of us have, you know, a sacred value and, and, and you, it just, and you don't get to just throw, you know, the people under the bus that are the weakest so that, so that everybody can have a, you know, a better chance, I suppose. Absolutely. And I, and I would concur with you on that. I think informed consent, I'm not a hundred percent anti-vaccination. I mean, I think we did wonderful things with the polio vaccine, et cetera. Hey, you know what though, we're coming up on break. So if, if we have just a, uh, a quick, 
A quick question, and first of all, how do you feel about taking some calls in the second half? If you can hang with us a little longer, we would love to have you. I, I'd be happy to, and and, okay. and the tougher the better. I mean, if if you've got if you've got somebody that actually is from the other side of some of these issues, put them to the front of the line, and I'd be happy to answer some questions from anybody. I think that's a fabulous thing. All right, so Phil, did you have anything that you wanted to ask the professor? It sounded like you were. Uh, uh, well, I just that isn't this uh, the, some of the things you, you said about the vaccines and stuff, this is more reason why we should bring every medicine that is taken internally back to the American shores because I've done a little bit of uh, just a little bit of research and I find that uh, that China has said that they won't allow uh, FDA uh, uh, members to come over and check their facilities. They do it in uh, India, and they levied some pretty heavy fines on Lindy, uh, India. So, what you're talking about with the with the problems with uh, vaccinations and stuff like that, that should be something that we make sure that is made in this country. Well, not just for safety reasons, and that is a, a very key reason, I think, to do it. But you don't want a supply chain. You know, it was astounding to me to find out that, you know, X huge percentage of like virtually all, um, you know, of our medicines came from China. You know, if, right. if, if you know, when, when you've got a supply chain that that creates a national security risk, you know, you need to reconsider the supply chain, I think. Yeah, and and and. and particularly because of once the coronavirus hit, China got really antagonistic. They said things like, we will bury you in a sea of, uh, of uh, coronavirus. I mean, that is, that is just beyond the pale for me. I mean, I don't want to bring anything into this country or for me personally to take anything that's been being made anywhere but in the United States. Yeah, that's going to drive up our pharmaceutical costs. That's for sure for people for medicines. I think if we, well, I if can, we I can tell stop you doing business with China, but I can tell you that the profits of the the big three are not going to be affected one way or another because uh, just like insulin, that they make insulin and we pay more than ten times the amount that they pay in Canada. And it's like that worldwide. And we have uh, insulin that is continually under patent. And insulin has been for years uh, made in, in China, in uh, the United States, but, uh, because, you know, the companies have the patent on it, of what they're doing now. And it'll be that way for a number of years to come. But we in the United States don't get any benefits of it being made cheaper. Like I said, uh, Canada, right across the river here, you go over there in the Windsor and you can buy insulin 10 times less than what it costs in the United States. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, I know that, uh, that we've got uh, some more things that we would really like to talk about. I'm curious about um, the Ninth Circuit Court upholding 
uh, the president's withholding of funds from Planned Parenthood. Can you speak anything about that? Do you have any any knowledge or insight you could share with us, Professor Wagner? Um, well, I don't have any um, super specific knowledge, but I can tell you generally as a matter of constitutional law, um, one of the things the other side always does is they say, oh, we've got a constitutional right to abortion, so that means we've got a constitutional right to have it funded. And so, you know, I just love debating those folks because they said, okay, well, we've got a second right to bear arms, so does that mean the government has to buy my gun next week? All of a sudden, they back down from that, you know, and um, but but they continue to push for uh, any kind of, you know, forced funding of, you know, this thing that truly isn't a constitutional right, uh, except that some unelected judges have deemed it to be so. And I, I am confident that someday the court will correct that decision as it corrected the Dred Scott decision that said slavery was okay. Um, but, you know, what in that same type of vicious uh, fighting mode, you know, when somebody, you know, actually uses the rule of law, you know, properly through the executive branch um, to, you know, say we're going to and use the same method that a previous president used to authorize it. Now, all of a sudden, it's illegal for the president to do something that they were cheering for a few years ago. So um, it, it just because the, the president made a different, you know, choice on, on how they were going to use that power. So, you know, I, I tell you, that is the most scary thing that I'm seeing from the left these days is the rule of law means nothing to them. They will only pretend to use the rule of law if it advances their leftist position. Um, but as soon as somebody else. And now more with Gaylene Dietering, Phil Stargell and Ed Bondarenka on Wham. All right, folks, we are back and excited to continue our conversation with Professor Wagner. And also, we've got Ed, who's going to ask a question. He's got something he wants to add. Oh, good. That horrible echo went away. Hi. Yeah, well, you know, I was saying before that, you know, it's getting to the point where no man shall um, buy or sell unless he has the mask of the beast. And I remember that mark that the uh my sister had on her shoulder from the smallpox vaccine the circle of uh circle of uh scars that you knew somebody had the smallpox vaccine now i'm wondering if that could be the mark of the beast you know no man shall buy or sell unless he's got the vax mark of the beast but well that's that, funny because i have the vaccine in a different place mine is on my hip because the doctor oh, yeah. said there's no reason for a little girl to have a scar so mine is on my hip so it's not up on my arm so what and i'm not gonna thought, drop trial to prove it <laughs> and they never thought bikinis would get so revealing either when they did yeah. that <laughs> yeah, but beyond, beyond that back back to reality uh, we talked about acceptable loss of uh losses due to the vaccine and it's interesting that we're not willing to talk about acceptable losses due to the COVID. You know, like, oh, we can't open up until every last case is cured or the vaccine is here and nobody can get it. But now we're talking about what the exact acceptable loss to vaccinations would be, you know, that which is supposed to be the cure. Well, it's it's really interesting. You know, the, the president has all kinds of advisors and some of them are, are experts in health and safety and others are uh, experts in, in, in the economy. And, you know, and when you're a leader, you've got to listen to all that, you know, all that good advice that's coming in and then and then lead um, what. And I think we're seeing that at the at the federal level. 
Uh, and we're seeing it in some states, I think. But wow, it just seems like in too many states, you know, when I see that what the mayor of Los Angeles is doing or, or the governor of California, uh, just, you know, truly creating a police state and 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 shutting down an economy for, you know, for for a period of time that now seems to be, you know, talking, they're talking 2022 or something. I mean, just ridiculous type of things. You can, you like, you're, you're going to shut an entire, the, one of the largest cities in the world down, you know, for, you know, for, for in, 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 in practical sense forever. If you, if you go that long, you know, you, you right. at some point the people, you know, are going to say, and I think they've already begun to say this from, from she to see the shining sea, you know, we want to be safe, but you know what? We also want to be free, and and I'd rather be I'd rather be free, and and do what I can to make sure that I don't do it, make do any harm to anybody else. But at the same time, we've got to get we've got to start this. Uh, we've got we've got to start this world moving again. Absolutely, I agree. Hey, we've got a couple callers in the queue, so we've got Gary on the line, and Gary has a question for you. So. Uh, if we can put Gary through, and then Elaine after that, or did we lose Gary? Oh, it's actually Henry. Oh, Henry. Oh, okay. So we've got Henry on the line. Sorry about that, Henry, and welcome to the show. No problem. Good afternoon. Take, thank you for taking my call. I wanted to ask Professor regarding this contact tracing. The airlines are already advertising. If you get a call from an unknown number, answer the call because there's questions about who you've been in contact with. If they come to your door and ring your doorbell and take questionnaires, what recourse do you have with that with that infraction of liberty? Well, you don't have to answer your phone for one thing, you know. Yeah. But the other thing um, that you have is there is a a federal bill. It, and, and and I'm not making this up. When I first saw this, I thought it was the Babylon B, and it was some satire. But it's not. It's actually the actual bill number is HB six 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 six, and and it has all sorts of uh, like a gazillion dollars, you know, to go to all these organizations to fund this kind of you know tracking, you know, under the guise of uh, tracking, you know, COVID. And I suppose that would serve one of the purposes it would do, but the, the, the type of state that we would be living in where every move that we make is now tracked by, you know, the government, that that's not the kind of country I want to live in. Um, well, we're already there with, uh, with like, uh, onboard tracking, you know, what, what do they call that in the car? Um, on spy, uh, or I'm sorry, on star. We've already got that. And I know, yeah, I know that they the should have GM probably called it on spy. Really, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I do know. Okay, here's the thing. I sat on a federal grand jury once, and we listened to some recorded conversation that was done through OnStar or OnSpy, as I call it. Um, and I know that GM didn't release that. They released that reluctantly. They have to have a court order. But well, how hard it, is it, it when you control? It, it, well, let me let me tell you because you know that's a little bit different when you're hearing it as a federal grand jury. Now I'm speaking. Right. The, I'm speaking pre-Comey era, because when I was a federal prosecutor and a federal judge, um, it was that was back when those institutions had integrity and legitimacy, and you got fired for the kind of crap that was being pulled the last couple of years. But what, what you just heard, before that happened, 
there had to be a law enforcement and a, and a federal prosecutor that had enough evidence that, that they could show that a crime was being committed and that and that um, and that that phone line or that particular um, you know piece of information that they got it from was you know being used uh, in furtherance of that crime once you have that kind of probable cause of criminal activity then you go to a separate branch of government so you've got two branches of government checking each other and 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 that judge then reviews that and and, and as a judge I used to then, instead of a prosecutor presenting to the judge, I was then the judge and they would present me with that um, affidavit and evidence. And if I determined that there was not enough evidence there to support probable cause of a crime, they didn't get to listen um, or they didn't get right. to track it. It's only when, you know, now that all being said, we've just <clears throat> seen how, you know, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Uh, Thank you for if, saying that because I was going to. <laughs> you know, in, in the wrong hands, you know, that that is a is a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. And when we give the sword to government, that's why, you know, you put your hand on the Holy Bible. You used to raise your hand, other hand toward heaven, and you had promised to uphold the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. So help me God. And the reason Absolutely. you did that, it was to remind, you know, that you weren't the law, not even you as a judge or a prosecutor are above the law and, and that there is a higher law that is above you. I, I, I'm afraid to ask, you know, what prosecutors or judges or members of Congress, if you ask them why they take that oath, they'd probably not even be able to tell you why these days, unfortunately. Yeah, can I, can yeah, I, I hear you. I do. I'd Go ahead, like, Phil. I'd like to make... The statement that you said no one's above the law, but it seems to me that the left in this country has gotten a pass to be above the law. There's a two-tiered justice system in this country, and I, I've seen it uh, from uh, back in Watergate days when I watched that, and I was appalled by what happened, but, but the very party that was on that side of... Uh, change today looks the other way when it's democrats well and i Absolutely. i think you're i think you're right about a two-tiered but that doesn't mean that our that the structure we have in place isn't still good our, our framers and our founders anticipated that you know men were not angels and that they would act in this way. And so we've got a constitutional structure that we can still save this nation if programs like yours and, and, and lawyers like the team I have around me are willing to stand up, peacefully say enough is enough, and, and we are going to use the full force of, of the legal system and the political system to restore constitutional governance under the rule of law. It won't be easy, but every generation uh, is, is given the responsibility to preserve this incredible freedom that we used to, you know, recognize in our younger years, that our that our children, unfortunately, you know, haven't really seen the the true prosperity and freedom that we can have as a country, because it's like you said, it's been taken away from them. It's up to us to restore it. Okay. Well, that's right. You know, we got another caller. Elaine wants to ask a question about rule of law for you. So let's go ahead with Elaine. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being there and uh, the work that you do. We really appreciate it. Um, it goes back to our very basic history. First of all, God, who gave us the rules of law of the Ten Commandments, 
very simple, very clear. The, the Bible that tells us our people perish for lack of knowledge, we as citizens, as people, we the people, not even citizens, the people, are not doing our responsibility by learning the Constitution. What a great advantage we could have had in this period of break to study the Constitution and to just begin to study what's simple. I don't, in terms of the legal question, okay, in our heritage, in the Jewish uh, law, in 10 years, in, 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 well, every Every 50 years, there used to be a jubilee where everything was wiped out and went back to the basics. Now, in my lifetime, which I'm going to be 70 years old, in my lifetime, I've seen the corruption and huge, enormous growth of government. So now there is no possible way we can understand what's governing. So is there a way to wipe out all old law and start again with a clear constitution so that all citizens have a chance I to can live. answer that. Pardon me? <laughs> it's called civil Go war. Ahead, well, yeah. well, you know, and, I, and, and he, says right that, he says that in jest, but, but, it's, but here's the interesting no. thing. You notice that she was kind enough not to quote the Bible passage, woe to you lawyers, you've taken away the key of knowledge. You know, that that is... You know, that, that is why, you know, what has happened has happened. And we truly do need to have, you know, the other side um, has already committed itself to looking at our situation today, you mentioned, as a civil war. And they truly are at war. They have not used weapons yet, but they are truly at war. And, and they understand that we have, here's our problem, the folks on our side, you know, our Christian people, they've got this idea that we want to do unto others, we do unto them. And they've got this notion that, well, if I'm kind and I'm fair in my negotiations, mm -hmm. they will be the same toward me. Well, I don't know how many times you got to have, you know, your head handed to you in, in these policy battles that we're on. But the other side is no longer playing by the rules and and they've thrown out the rules which is why they don't care about the rule of law in order to advance their political agenda no, you know but we so can be, we it, can it be. is up to us to you know restore that rule of law and 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 put the right you know and again part of it's our job we got to get out because we live in a constitutional republic and so if if they're doing stuff we don't like well guess what we put them in there so we've got to be able to um, convince enough people, you know, to change their positions. And we got to, we got to, and when it comes to an election, we've got to be able to, by the force of our ideas, you know, be able to re return to the, to constitutional governance. Now, right now it's beginning to shift. I'm starting to see this last week, a shift in this nation. And I, and maybe some of you are seeing it as well. When all of a sudden, you know, people's religious liberty was taken away. Nobody really cared except for the pastors and, and the people that wanted to go to church. But now all of a sudden their livelihood, they're seeing these people, you know, that are in power saying, Hey, we're going to decide to the end of July, we're going to shut down the city of Los Angeles or whatever crazy date he's picked on. Um, and, and they're seeing, Oh, wow. This, some of what these other guys were saying on the other side is true. And, and I think, you know, there's going to be a tipping point where we truly have an opportunity. If we, if we don't overplay our hand to restore constitutional governance here, if we're not careful though, we could lose it forever. 
I agree. All right, I know Ed's got a question, and then we've got Jenny on the phone with another call. So thank you, Elaine. Um, and I think that that was wonderful. So uh, it was a really good question. We do need to keep moving on. So uh, let's go ahead with Ed's question, oh, and know. then we're going to bring Jenny on. A friend of mine uh, from California wants to know um, when is it going to be illegal to yell or yeah to yell COVID in a booming economy if it's you know <laughs> it's, it, it, if That's it's unconstitutional to yell fire in a crowded theater you know when is it going to be illegal to yell boom yeah that that you know that is the type of thing though I mean this wit and wisdom uh, can you know be a very effective tool at helping to you know educate a public who has been falsely scared you know into their homes and you know, should we be careful? Yes. Should we be wise? Yes. Should we do unto others and as we want them to do unto us and, and do everything we can to not spread the disease to somebody else? Absolutely. Well, you mean we sh you shouldn't know. be wiping our noses on people's shirts from the Dollar yeah. Tree? I yeah. guess that guy is being prosecuted as a, as, a, uh, as a terrorist, and so is the one that shot the guard at the Dollar General yeah. and killed him after the fact. They're being prosecuted as terrorists. Hey, Phil has something to say, and then we're going to go to Jenny real quick. Yeah, I I noticed you mentioned the word, uh, we live in a constitutional republic, but it is uh, a word that uh, we oftentimes miss, and that is limited. There are limits on the government, and, uh, and, and we don't emphasize that enough because in a time like now, you see the governments in these local uh, precincts and these uh, states have forgotten that there is a limit on what they can do to a free people. That's the constitutional part of constitutional republic. And let me very quickly, before we get to that next question, these are the limits, and I'm just going to whip off a bunch of them here. The limits that are in the Michigan Constitution and the U.S. Constitution, you cannot, if you're the government, you know, impair somebody's private contract. You cannot, if you're the government. Another limit is you can't take their property without just compensation. Another limit, you can't interfere with their right to assemble or petition the government for redress of grievances. You cannot impair their freedom of expression or their freedom of speech. You can't impair their freedom of religious conscience. I can go on and on and on. And, yes. and these are limits that even when the government, you know, has some authority to act, that authority ends when they substantially interfere with these constitutional limits on their um, exercise of government power. That was great. Hey, we got to get Jenny on because we're running out of time. We've only got about eight minutes left. So, Jenny, welcome to the show. And uh, I want to I want to uh, just get your question in real quick so that we can have a good answer for you. Okay, yeah, and please, nobody interrupt this man. I want to know, uh, because the question didn't get answered well, the last question about when Gary asked it, I am blind. It's easy not to answer the phone, okay, and I don't. For people that I don't know, I don't answer the phone. And believe me, as God is my witness, I don't answer the phone, right? I don't answer the door either. If I don't know who's on the other side of that door, and I won't, so what recourse do I have? Well, at this point, you have a constitutional resource not to answer that door. You know, if if they show up with, 
And they've and, and and one of the limits on the Constitution we just talked about that I didn't state is there you have a right to due process before anybody can deprive you of your life or your liberty or your property. And that's what they're doing when they're knocking on that door. So before they come to that door, the, the, at least two branches of government are going to have to have signed off on something, you know, allowing it, you know, to happen. So right now, if someone knocks on your door, you say, I'm not opening the door. And if you want to talk to me, you can talk to my lawyer. And, and and until they have some proper authority that authorizes them to come into your home, they cannot do so. That's why you need a warrant to enter somebody's home. Okay, so they have papers. I can't read those papers. I won't trust them. Well, now we're in a situation that we have to be creative because there are, you know, we, we have we have real life situations like that and 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 the most vulnerable are sometimes the people where they get their their rights infringed upon the most because they're the most vulnerable and when you're in a vulnerable situation um you know you know that there are places like the great lakes justice center if if, if there's somebody in law enforcement that shows up at your place and, and they're and they're commanding to come into your place you know, you call the Great Lakes Justice Center, you know, and, and you know, or if they're going to come into your church um, and and somebody will take care of that. You know, that that's why that's why we have that's I guess that's why there's good lawyers out there that are Christian people and and are willing to stand up for religious liberty. And um, but, you know, I, I understand your you know, your concern because you're in a situation. And, and, and here's the thing. There used to be a day when you know, a blind person could trust, you know, the government handing them the paper. Those days are gone. You know, we, we've, and, and that's one of the uh, the sad commentaries on, on Comey and all the things that happened in that last administration is, is they've, for most of this nation, you know, we've lost trust in our judicial institutions and in, in our legal institutions. We have to, I know that the Attorney General Barr is trying to restore that legitimacy at this point, but we're a long ways away. It's going to take years before we can get back there. Okay, so is your number online? Well, my number is online, but I would call the Great Lakes Justice Center if it's interference of religious liberty. The Michi- Here's for everybody else out there. The Michigan Bar Association, that's the, that's the association of lawyers in the state of Michigan. They have a lawyer referral service. You type in Michigan Bar Association lawyer referral service, and there is a, a phone number and an online thing, and they will immediately hook you up with a, a, a lawyer of the kind that you need in that particular time in a, in a location of where you're at. Okay, because I've, I don't care if I am made an example of like that nice barber is. I'll do what I have to do. Well, that's, I think you're, that's you're, great you're, because yes. she's uh, you're willing to take the uh, you're willing to take the the discipline for your act of civil disobedience, and that's exactly where we need to be is whatever the consequences are. And I think that that's that that's kind of where we need to be to stand strong. But but the point ahead, is, Lynn. I don't even think she's engaging in civil disobedience yeah. at this point. Not at this you know, point, no. Because, you know, you have a constitutional right. Unless somebody has some proper legal authority, they can't come into your house. That's why we that that's why we have a constitution that protects it. Do houses, do the police come into people's houses? Yeah, but they've gone and they've got a warrant and they've convinced a prosecutor 
prosecutor and they've convinced the judge that there's evidence to support that there's a crime being committed or something, you know, and so until that happens, you know, you've got an absolute right to, you know, very politely say, no, I'm not going to let you in and, and I'm not going to talk to you. And you can talk that's to my lawyer if you need anything. That's a good point. All right. Well, hey, thanks so much for the call. Go ahead, Ed. How do you tell a law enforcement officer, I'm sorry, sir, you're operating out of the bounds? Well, you, you, you're, first of all, you're very respectful and you're very polite and you make sure your hands are in complete, <laughs> you know, vision <laughs> of, the, of the law enforcement officer. No quick moves or anything because most police, most law enforcement officers are out there to protect and serve. And, and, and there are some bad apples that there certainly are. Um, but, um, but most of them, you know, are out there trying to do the right thing. They're just doing their job. And, and, you know, and you won't have a law enforcement officer often knocking on your door, trying to get in your house without any proper legal authority, you know, and, and, and if you, and occasionally you, there are situations, for example, in social services, when somebody makes a false claim about, you know, abuse and neglect of a kid or something. And, and, and these folks will, those folks will very often try to show up and come into your house and make all kinds of threats and, and homeschool legal defense fund and places like that usually handle it with one quick phone call. And again, it's very, and, and most of these, you know, people that are homeschooling and doing all this really good stuff, you know, they've got, you know, they, they, they've read the constitution. That's what the, one of the callers talked about. They've read the constitution and, and they've got their lawyer's number by the door. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and the good thing is, is that the, the constitution works when you've got good lawyers working, you know, even if you've got, you know, uh, an out of bounds law enforcement, all it takes yep. you most of the time is a phone call, and and all you, know, you get Professor them back Wagner. Inbox. Yes, I, I hate to interrupt you, but we're running out of time. We've got about thirty seconds. Do you have one last thought for us before we end the show? Yes, I'm on. Uh, if anybody's interested in what we've been talking about, go to slgwitness.com. I'm going to be, and I'm going to plug my website, slgwitness. That's slgwitness.com. Sign up for our newsletter, and we'll keep you up to date on all the legal developments and everything that's happening in the state. All right. Thank, Thank you. you so much, everybody. Have a great weekend. It was a great show, and I just am so glad that we had so many wonderful callers. Everybody have a great day. Wham Talk 1600 with your hosts, Galen Dietering, Phil Stargell, and Ed Bondarenka. Be sure to tune in again next week right here on Wham Radio.